Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. If I take, it, if I take an extra second to walk down, it makes it more dramatic. People are like, oh, did he show up? Is he here? Is he? It's like, ta-da! I'm going to make your day. So, yeah. <laughs> so, good morning. It's good to see you guys. So, uh, let's pray. And then I want to dig right into the, to the Word. Father, thank you for your love and for your peace and for your goodness. And always being faithful. Always being true. Thank you for this beautiful sunshine and, and this wonderful day. And we just give you the praise. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, it's good to be back in the saddle. Been been out for about a week or so, feeling way better, raring to go, and so um, <clears throat> had had quite the hectic hectic last uh, couple days. Though. So we have a our my wife has a mare, and so this mare's like um, we've had her since the day she's born. Like we've been married 24 years, and we've had this horse 23 years. So if that tells you anything, it's like, like, I like the horse as much as her, because so, uh, we've kept both of them, right? And so she had a tumor in her eye, and we've been waiting and waiting for the ophthalmologist to get back and do a surgery. And so me and Linda are both, we're just recovering from COVID, and we're laying down on Thursday, and they call, and they're like, hey, we got an opening. If you don't get here tomorrow, it'll be the end of the year before you can get in and get the surgery. And she really, like, she couldn't wait that long. So here I am, like I was like perfectly comfortable laying around feeling sorry for myself, trying to get my energy back up, and all of a sudden now I got to get up. And so we take her in, get the surgery, and then we go back and pick her up the next day. Everything is a miracle. God just, like, sometimes we, we don't really see how God's tying stuff together. We think that we got to be in control of everything, but sometimes at our weakest point, when we don't think we have no strength and we don't think we can go on, God's like, hey, I got the cure. All it's going to take is for you to trust me and get up. Will you trust me? And we get up. So we took her, took her to the hospital, and then the, the next day, um, the trailer I used, another lady had to take it to eastern Washington. So I dropped her off, and I didn't have a ride for her back home. So I called someone. I was like, hey, can you hold my horse for me? She goes, sure. She calls me that morning. Oh, by the way, guess what? My battery's shot in my truck, and I can't get there. So I go, next up, right? And so, so it, everything was just kind of funny how it all, all fell, fell together. But, um, and, and on top of that, I had a wedding this weekend. So wedding rehearsal, horse, covering from COVID, and all this stuff going on. And now I'm doctoring horses. So I'm doctoring a horse. Getting up, I got one horse in one spot, two, three, four in one spot, and two in another. So I'm driving like, and they're all 30 minutes from each other. So I'm all driving, driving around trying to get them. And then this morning I woke up at, I left the house at 6 a.m. And I was like, I got to go feed horses. And so as I'm driving out the door, I'm like, you wanted to be a cowboy. You wanted to have horses. This is what you wanted to do, right? And so I just tell myself, being a cowboy is good. Being a cowboy is good. Being a cowboy is good. And so we have our horses out on Camino Island, and they're kind of 
they got the most beautiful view. Like they got a better view than I got, right? It's just right off the water. And so we, I went up and I fed. And I, after I got done fed, feeding, I just looked out there and I was like, I wanted to be a cowboy. I'm glad I'm a cowboy. I'm glad that, that I'm doing what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, all that stuff you go through is worth it. And so my question to you, a lot of times it's the difference. And I was talking, I want to start talking about our, some of our core beliefs. And one of the core beliefs that, that we need to understand is, are we called? Right? Because a lot of times we don't understand that, that, like, we think we just go somewhere because we just show up and, woo, we're here. There, there's a difference. My, Tim, my friend Tim, he, he talks about churches, and there's churches that are vendor churches. And it's like you go to a pop machine, and you put, put your coin in, and you can pick, oh, do I want orange? Do I want Dr. Pepper? Do I want Pepsi? Do I want this? And so we choose, choose our churches. We choose our spouses. We choose our, everything. Are we choosing where we're at and what we're doing because it's just the right flavor or are we choosing that stuff because God called us there? And so I think about that as being with a cowboy. Um, one of the things that, about being a cowboy is it's not something I do. Like you could take all my horses, you could take all the stuff around, but there's something still inside me that's going to long for that, that, that I want, want part of that. And so... So there, it's almost like a call. And so that's who God is for us. He's given us a call. He's given us a purpose. He's given us a plan to serve him, to love him, to follow him. And when we understand that, you know what? You're not common. You're not ordinary. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And and he's just like, if you just connect with me, then we're going to take you places that you never dreamed of going. All you got to do is connect. Are you going to connect with me? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to follow me? That's with my horses, man. They'll follow me. I got a horse, one eye, covered. Taking her to this big old trailer. She's never seen this trailer before. But you know what? I walk in the trailer, and pretty soon I just start walking. I don't look back and hope she comes with me. Because I know wherever I go, She's going with me. And even though she can't see totally out of that one side, she's still going to trust me and she's still going to go with me. Do you know why? Because she knows, she knows me. She knows I ain't going to put her in a position where she's going to get hurt. She knows I have a relationship with her. And that's who God is for us and what God wants to do in us. And I was thinking about scriptures this morning. And I was thinking about um, this one dude in the Bible, and his name's Paul. And so, now, Paul, he had a great life. Like, he never went through anything in his entire life. Like, like once he met Jesus, like, everything was just rosy and sunshiny. He looked like, like a Disney princess, you know, where you're skipping through the forest with the, the birds, you know, flying over their head and the animals following him around. Like, it was a fairy tale kind of life, right? No, he went through some stuff. He went through some, some struggle. He went through some trials. He went through some stuff. And here's the question. Sometimes we, we um, think that, well, I've met Jesus, so everything's going to be perfect all the time in my life, and I'm never going to go through anything. But what I go through, I grow through. So one of the things, everything I've ever been through, 
God's given me the strength to grow in the midst of it. And so now I look back at those struggles and people are like, well, what would you change in your life? Well, and I think back, well, that was pretty stupid. I don't know if I'd do that. But then I'm like, you know what, though? It's kind of fun. Like, and I learned a lot. Maybe not so much fun, but I mean, it's fun to look on and it gives me great stories. Right? And so we, get, we don't get caught up in, in, um, in the troubles, but we can get caught up in the in the promises that God has for us. You're going to go through stuff, but you know what? God has a promise for everything you're going to go through. Don't be afraid of the trials. Don't be afraid of the storms. Don't be afraid when things happen to you. And Because and, I guarantee you, the Bible says in some things God works for the good of those. It's not some. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You might be looking like this. Like my horse, I guarantee you right now, she's got a patch on her eye, and, and she went through some pain, and she went through some hurt, but you know what? She's winning right now because she, her eye's saved. She's going to be able to see again, and, and pretty soon when all that comes, comes off and comes out, she's going to be just as perfect as before. So I want to encourage you guys, no matter what it looks like, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you feel, you cannot judge by what you see. You cannot judge by what you feel. You cannot judge by what you hear. That's why the Bible says we walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Because what looks like is really bad going to happen to us, right? God's really setting you up for a blessing. And more blessings. And sometimes in the midst of those storms, you meet other people that are in those storms and you get to do something to them and you get to love on them and you get to help them and you get to be a part of their life too. Isn't that good news? So Paul, he is one of those dudes, right? Right? He, he was starting to go through some stuff. In fact, his first encounter with Jesus was kind of tough. Right? He's just minding his business, riding his horse, going to kill some Christians. You know, just business as usual, right? And what happened? He gets knocked off his horse, right? Knocked off his horse, right? He's probably a pretty good rider, too. Probably hurt his ego more than anything. And then God blinded him, right? And so that's his start of a relationship with Jesus. Paul, who are you persecuting? Well, I'm persecuting them. No, when you persecute God's people, you're persecuting me, too. Why? Because he identifies as us. He's one with us, right? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> okay. So here's Paul. This is the same dude. He's, his life has gotten completely changed. Completely turned around. And do you know what, it, what, what he does? He gives up. No. He quits. He's like, yeah, I can't handle it no more. You know, this just ain't working out. Like, this wasn't in my contract, and I'm going to call HR because... Like, I think there's some, some problems with this, right? No, he didn't. You know what he did? There's a difference between doing something and, there, and being called to do it and know that you're called to do it. Paul knew. He had a call. He had a purpose. And every one of you in here have a call and a purpose. God has something that you were born here for for a reason and for a purpose, and that only you 
can fulfill. What are you called to do? What does God put on your heart? What is God saying to you? Because when God puts that in your heart, there's nothing that will stop you. When we go through the NAM, um, the NAM training, one of the or not the training, but the what are you? What are those? All the testing, like that's right before they peel your fingernails back and waterboard you, right? But they want to know what is your call. Can you tell me? When you were called, can you tell me you know that you're called? Do you know why they ask you that? Do you want to know why they want to be sure of that? It's because I, I know this is going to be really hard to believe. But sometimes being a preacher can be a really hard job. <laughs> right? Yeah, amen. Yeah. So, so I know none of you guys are like, wow, I thought that everything was just perfect, right? And so sometimes, sometimes people don't like you. Right? Sometimes, sometimes it's your own family, <laughs> you know, right? So, but sometimes people don't like you. Sometimes you go through situations and problems, but do you trust God enough to know you are the one who called me? I'm not here just because I'm here. I'm here because you called me to be, and I'll be here until you tell me not to be here and call me to the next place. And when you have that kind of conviction in your life, it gives you something called grit, right? It gives, you, it gives you teeth in the game. And you're like, you know what? God, I'm going to trust you. I, I'm going to find where I'm called, and I'm going to stick in where I'm going to called, and I'm going to do what you call me to do. And, and it doesn't matter. Remember, Linda and I started a cowboy church years ago, and when we started, we were like, this is going to be so awesome. People are just going to flock in here and... And we were just so excited about it. In our first service, we had like 23 people. But they were all our friends and family, right? And so the next service we had, we didn't have anybody. And I was like, okay, Father. This was not in the book, in the rule book, or the, or the what do you call it, the brochure, right? Like I'm supposed to open the door, and all these people are supposed to flood in, and it's supposed to work like that. So you know what we said? You know what? We're just going to pretend this place is full. So we'd set up the chairs, and this was a big barn, right? We'd set up the chairs, we'd set up every chair, and Linda would do the praise and worship, and then I would preach, and, we'd, and it, it, we just did it just like it was full. And when we got done, we, we had church. I've never had more chairs give their heart to Jesus <laughs> in their life. Right? But why? We could have quit. And you think, well, that was just one or two services. No, we did that for three months. Three months. And then guess what happens? A couple people come in. Then a few more. And before you know it, there's a hundred and some people coming. We're like, you know what? It wasn't a surprise to us because we already seen them in the chairs. Right? And so we could have quit. But we kept going. And the only reason we kept going was because we knew that we were called to be there. And you don't ha- it don't have to be a church. Where's God called you to be? That's your job. Your job's important. Your family's important. There's different kinds of calling. And so it's good and it's important to know what we're called to do or we're not going to stick with it. 
Do you know something that you're called to? That's even greater than that? You're called to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And nothing can take that away. See, this is a job. Pastoring is a job. Training horses is a job. All that stuff comes and goes, but what will not ever go is my relationship with Jesus and the finished work that he's brought into my life. And you, you can't, can't beat that, right? So here, Paul, he's going through some stuff, but um, <clears throat> they're gonna, he's getting ready to go on a cruise. Not Alaska or not even like a Caribbean cruise, right? But he's getting ready to go on this cruise ship. And so we find in Acts 27, verse 1, it says this. When it was decided that we would, still, would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to the centurion. <coughs> Sorry about that, excuse me. Still healing up just a little bit. I was like, I ain't, I ain't setting out of the saddle another week. I got this. So. To a centurion, not a centurion, a centurion, someone help me, named Julius. He was a basketball player. They called him Dr. J. Who <laughs> belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from, from a town about to sail for ports along the... I ain't even going to pretend I know Greek, right? So I hear all these people trying to pronounce names. It's so like, okay, if I don't know your name, I'm going to call you Bob. <laughs> then I can say Bob. I was just telling, telling Will earlier today, we had a, a church we were at. This lady come there for three years, and I was, I'd always be like, Karen, how are you doing? She's like, I'm doing great. How are you doing? She goes, great. And then I was there one day, and someone was calling her Barb. And I was like, Karen, are you going to let them do that to you? And she's like, you've been doing that to me for three years. My name is Barb. And I was like, sorry, right? So, but there's some, anyway, I'm going to get back to my message, so. So we boarded a ship from, from a town about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Um, or I, I ain't going to say his name. A Macedonian from Salonica, not with a cold, I'm not, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, Dr. J, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. From there... We put out to sea again and passed to the, to the lee of Cyprus where the winds were against us. Did you hear that? The winds were against them. Right? And here's, here's another thing. Paul had a calling, and his calling was to stand before Caesar. He's like, this is my purpose. This is my plan. I know this is what I'm called to be. His call wasn't, hey, I want a yacht and... and, and, and you know, uh, my own private island on a beach and my private plane. He's like, this is my call. Do you know what my call is? I'm going to stand before Caesar Augustus because I can really make a difference when I do. And he didn't care. You know what? If I have to go through prison or storms or whatever, I am going to fulfill that call. That's, a, that's grit. That's determination. They let him go to be with his friends. <coughs> before he's selling, he's a prisoner, right? He's, he's going as a prisoner. And they let him go be with his friends. Man, I went to the hot dog stand. I'd have checked out. I was like, I ain't hanging around here. I'm gone. Why? Right? Wouldn't you too? Paul's like, oh, no, wait for me. Don't, don't leave without me, right? He's like, 
I'm going. I have a purpose, right? And so he gets back from his friends, and the, they notice that the winds were against him. And when he had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. Why do they, can't they just name, say, like, Monroe? I mean, come on. There our centurion found, there the centurion found the Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off the off city, Satidas. When the wind did not allow us to hold course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete opposite of, uh, of Salmon. Excuse me. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fairhaven. Now they're getting it. Like they're getting closer to me here. Near the town of Lasseria. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the, after the fast. So now this, here's a clue coming up here too. So Paul's getting ready to sail. He's going, he's like, I'm going to Italy. I'm going to Rome. Guess what? I'm going to get to fulfill my call, and because I'm on my way with my call, I'm not going to have any problems at all. Right? Except one problem. It was just after the fast. Well, what's the fast? The fast is in the fall. Like, we just celebrated the fast. It's called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. And so, in the fall, what happens? These storms start coming up in the Mediterranean. And so, it's a dangerous time to go, and they should have went way before. Why they didn't go? Who knows, right? It needed to be in the Bible, I guess. Sometimes our stupid decisions, God uses those too. Don't underestimate God's ability to use us even when we're stupid. I promise you. He's a master at that. So Paul warned them, Man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to the ship and cargo to our own lives also. But the centurion... I'm sorry, guys. But the centurion, instead of listening to, to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in. The majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest by northwest. So we got a couple things we can learn here, too, from Paul. Paul's like, yeah, I don't think this is a good idea. Look, he wants to go. He's not saying, I don't want to go. He's like, just not be the right time, right? But the majority, right? Majority ain't always right. Majority ain't always right. Who you, you can't always trust and follow the majority. That's why it's good to have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? So you can hear him for yourself. You don't need no preacher telling you what God's saying. You can find out for yourself. <coughs> Man, I'll get through this. We got two hours left. When a gentle and south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed an anchor and sailed along the shore the shore of Crete. Before very long, the, a wind of hurricane force called a north, nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught by storm, 
and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed through the lee of the small island called Cadio, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. And when the men had hoisted it aboard, they, pa- they passed ropes on the ship and feared that it would, wouldn't hold together, fearing they would run aground on the sandbars and of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along, and we took the violent battering from the storm, and the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Now, you know, the washing machine steals your socks and it goes to place. You ever get packages that aren't delivered? This is where they go. <laughs> right? Someone's overseas and they got to... Never mind. They're throwing the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard in their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared, <coughs> excuse me, for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So what's happening? Like, it's getting so bad, this norether's hitting them. And not just like a day, but three days, man. They're getting hammered. They're getting pounded on. They're getting afraid. He's writing this story. Paul's writing this story, right? You think he's got a call, he's got a purpose, so he's going to be in faith the entire time. But what happened? They're all so tired. They've done everything that they know to do. They put ropes under the ship and around the ship so that it would hold together when it crashed, because they knew they were going to crash. They knew they were in trouble. And Paul says, says this, he says, we, he's including himself in this. He's saying, it was so bad that even I gave up hope of being saved. He's like, my, like, can you imagine him sitting there? He's like, God, you've called me. You called me to this purpose. You know what I've been through? You knocked me off my horse. I could have just been riding my horse along, going, killing Christians, just like every other good person. What did God do? He said, no, I've got a better plan for you. <coughs> I've got another purpose for you. I've got a calling for you. And you don't quit. You don't give up. Even when... You feel like it sometimes. And this is where Paul's like, oh man, I ain't giving up, but I don't see no hope. There's no way out. But I love that the Bible doesn't stop with statements like that. Amen? It says, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sell to Crete. Then you would have, not, then you would have spared yourselves the damage of the loss. You know what he's saying? I told you so, right? I told you so. I told you so. Anybody ever do that? Like I told you not to. Told you not to kick right then. Like next thing you know, you're you're like a yard dart, right? Should have just sat down. Just should have waited it out, right? He said, "I told you so," but he says, "But now, since you didn't listen to me, you're all going to die. There's no hope." No, he says, but now I urge you to keep up the, your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God came to him. He said, an angel come to him, stood beside him and said, do not be afraid, Paul. 
<clears throat> Let me get through this. You must stand trial before Caesar, and, and God has graciously given you the lives of those who sell with you. Then you're so important. I'm going to spare those dudes too. Like I should send him a Christmas card. So he says this, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God, and it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some, some island. On some island. What a story. Hey, guess what? You're not going to die. You're going to go through the storm. This thing, this ship that you've been trusting on, this, this very earthly material thing that you've been hoping is going to get you to, to your destination, it's not going to be what you're going to use. I got a better plan. See, we can look at it like, oh my gosh, we're, we're going to be crashing, uh, we're going to live, and, but we're going to be stranded on an island. We're going to make a TV show about us with the skipper and Marianne and the professor and like all these things running through their head. It's going to be horrible. You cannot depend on the same mode of transportation that got you where you are now. You have to depend on God. Trust him. He may change up the, the mode of transportation. He may change up how he's doing stuff. You can't just trust him. Count on that. <coughs> and then you might end up on some island that's just going to be, it's just some island that's just a coincidence, right? Then on the 14th night, we were still there, driven across the, the Adriatic Sea, when at about midnight, the sailors since they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. That's pretty deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep, fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks. So basically, they're like taking readings. How deep is it? Are we getting closer to ground? Are we going to run aground? When are we going to run aground? What's it going to do? So they drop the anchor and they're dragging along. Now, I'm an expert at shipwrecks, believe it or not. I wrecked one. So I had this friend, he's quite wealthy, and I would shoe horses for him, and so we went out. It was called the Columbia. I should have ran, because the last Columbia that went into space didn't fare too well either, right? But, um, so we get on this. It's a 110-foot boat, fishing boat. He's like, let's take it out. He had a helicopter and a bus, and, and we already had gotten the bus stuck and wrecked out once, and so just being silly, and so we get out on the water, and we're driving along, and it looked real clear coming through there, and on our way back, I was looking, I was like, are those whales? Because it's like these little things were popping up everywhere out of the water, and he's letting me drive, so I'm up on top, you know, just singing, singing away, you know, and having fun, and the next thing you know, up in front of me was one of those whales, only it wasn't a whale, it was a rock. And I was going full speed. That sucker hit that rock, went up in the air, went all the way over, come back, and we were stranded. <coughs> so I'm feeling Paul. I survived. We had to get a, the Coast Guard come. They wouldn't even get on the boat with us. They had these guys, they call them sharks. They had to come and pull us back off. And then he actually let me drive the rest of the way to the port. I was like, you're stupid, man. Like, why'd you even let me drive in the first 
place. It's your fault. We're wrecked, right? We get back to his house and walk in. He's telling his wife the story of what happened. He's like, she gets a serious look on her face, and she says, look, she goes, if you wreck that boat, I hope it sinks. I hate that thing anyway. And if you die, I have tons of life insurance. But if you kill my farrier, I will kill you. And I was like, well, I see where I rank in this family, right? And so I was like, it come out pretty good, right? So here's Paul. They're going through a shipwreck. It's looking really bad. It got so bad that the, the planks started falling apart. They had to let go of the life, lifeboat. Let go of the lifeboats. Let go of your plan B. Trust God. <coughs> and it says this. He's, he tells them, not one of you will lose your life. And guess what? Not one of them did lose their life. They actually let, let the ones who could swim, swim to shore. And they let the others float in on planks. And God spared every one of them. And so here they are. They're on this, on this nice little island. It's some island. And do you know what happens? Everything like they, everything was rosy from there on, right? No, not everything was rosy. So Paul gets there and he's like, you know what? I'm going to build a fire. So they're building a fire. Paul reaches in and what happens? He gets bit by a snake. He done been shipwrecked. Done been through the storm. At this some island called Malta. Just minding his own business building. And what happens? He gets bit by a snake. <coughs> and what happened because of that? He shook the snake off. You know why? He knew he had a call. He knew he had a purpose. All the snake bites, all the things that are hindering you, all the shipwrecks cannot and will not stop you from completing what God's called for you in your life. Amen. Will you trust him? Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.